Hi, Mel. Hi, Graham. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to today's podcast. And what are we going to be talking about today? Well, so it's part of the series around uh, women in global payroll. And today we're meeting Zenny, um, who is from the Swedish Payroll Association. It's a great conversation. Really enjoyed meeting her. And yeah, I just really excited to share her experiences with listeners to the podcast. And I think Zenny definitely has passion of payroll and um, just so inspirational. Yeah, she almost has as much passion as you, Mel. Really? Yeah, for this subject. <laughs> I think she might have more. A little bit more. Well, let's listen and find out. Okay, so Zenny, I think maybe this would be a really good time uh, for you to introduce yourself. So Zenny, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you. Um, I've been working with pay- within the payroll field for about 20 years. Started out in software supplying systems and been seeing the ups and downs in payroll in different fields. I've been working as a consultant. I've been working a lot with the um, taking care of changes in legal requirements and everything like that. And then about 10 years ago, we in Sweden, we had an initiati- initiative uh, trying to enhance the awareness of payroll. So we started out with a big, a small organization on a ideal in an ideal way that way so um, we gather a lot aware of these software suppliers and other important people in the payrolls uh, industry within Sweden that gave us an opportunity to form a base to move payroll forward and in doing that we thought that giving a title to this you know this occupation was really an important thing to do so we got us a certification of payroll consultants in that way. So when you started this part off this division did you what sort of challenges did you find what were there common challenges well the thing is that we started out as a small um, small business with no financial support in, in any way and then we we realized that to, to ally with somebody that's done this journey before was a good thing to do so uh, the small organization uh, was fusion with the big organization of a self consultant which also already had a lot of accounting people and they've done the same journey almost but they also had a certification uh, so the big challenge was to get this big organization to adapt the smaller field of payroll in that way and you mentioned in your your introduction you talked about the ups and downs of of payroll uh, over 20 years so as you look back over your career and and those ups and downs what what would be some of the examples of how the industry has has developed over the last 20 years in in sweden I think one of the biggest changes actually is the, the thing that we talk about today as global payroll. Because when I started out in payroll, you said, well, it's not the most fancy occupation. We work within payroll. We won't be able to do any careers. You won't be able to work other than nationally. So, and, and you can see the impact of how the world is changing, that also the focus of payroll is changing. And you see the, the, uh, the value of knowing what's going around, what's happening around the world to be able to see that you have big companies that give 
reduced and impact into to payroll in different ways, but also that you have to have you have to take care of legislations and know that you have to have the right competence in each country, and that we will we sometimes somehow we we're bringing the payroll world closer together, and I think that's really really. Uh, something you can see in Sweden when we work together, even though we're competitors, even though we work with different fields, we try to do something about the payroll situation in Sweden in trying to work with governments, trying to work with the legislation before it becomes legislation, uh, software suppliers working together. I think that's the thing that you go from being small islands to being actually a community. Hmm. And and payroll, I, I think, has always been thought of first and foremost as a, a local um, operation. But primarily, is that because of local regulation and local compliance? Because as we look across markets, and, and again, coming from outside the industry and, and looking at it fresh, fresh perspective, not knowing any better quite often, it's fascinating to me how much actually the experience of being paid mm-hmm. if, uh, for an employee is very similar around the world and the things that motivate um, people's experiences around pay are, are very similar. So that very local feel, if you, if you look back at, at the Swedish payroll as it, as it was, was that driven purely just by the local legislation or, or by the fact that businesses were only operating in a single country and since then in the last 10, 20 years there's been more expansion uh, across multiple countries? I think you can down to the level of a company, actually, because I think that every company thinks they're unique. They think they have their own legislation, they have their own requirements and everything. But, uh, of course, we have different legislations in different countries. But if you look at the process and if you see what the outcome of the payroll process should be, then you see that there is so much that we can take uh, advantage of knowing what you do in different countries and how you address different uh, problems in that way. We have uh, the same way of having the... the, the uh, um, problems of getting the data into the system. Uh, so I think the resemblances are more there than you think, and I think that's what you're getting aware of. You, you, when you get, uh, as I work as a consultant, when you got out to a customer, they say, well, we're so unique, we have this special solution, we have this legislation, we have these employment uh, agreements and everything like that. But uh, if you look to it, if you see to it, you see that in, if you look at the smallest part, if you go down to the, if you if you put it down to what it's actually about, it's probably very much more alike than, than it's not, I'd say. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, makes, yeah. that makes perfect sense. And when we've done research as ADP and looked at, at employees and how they interact with their their pay and how they feel about their pay, it's, it's fascinating that if you look at what and we talked earlier about you know what are you working for this this um, conversation in the market about you know why do people work how do they feel about their pay versus their, their wider employment experience and it, it's really interesting if you look at um, people's relationship with their pay um, actually a um, Scandinavian um, middle-aged person is going to have a very similar interaction with their pay as a millennial in Singapore when you do the research. And and what's really interesting is there's a number of people who are just doing it for the payslip. And, and so the payslip comes in and they spend the money. But when you ask them what they spend the money on and how they feel about pay, um, it's really interesting the answers that you get. And so that 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 person in Scandinavia, that millennial in, in Singapore, they'll both tell you they're working for family. And and 
that for me yeah. is really a common theme across uh, payroll is is actually how pay empowers people to live the lives they want to to live and it's more than just the process of the paperwork and the compliance and but i think that shows something that's rather you know for humanity kind in that way we're more alike than we are than we think even though we come from different countries i think that's rather much as something that enhanced that sentence in we're very much alike and i think that's but if you go back to that question when you said uh, what's the development how how is the change in payroll i'd also say that um, usually payroll people are very much into details uh, and we, we just, in Sweden we have every 25th is actually when you get to pay, that's really very common in Sweden, so you have your your uh, your uh, focus is on next 25th all the time to get the paycheck out for the, or we don't have checks, but anyway um, so that I think that is, and, and what's happened the last 10 years is that you actually see another kind of uh, personality coming into the payroll industry people that are aware of that you have to somehow focus a bit Um, uh, on a longer term to see how you can benefit from doing this in very good um, this uh, everyday things has to be done in a proper way and see how you can benefit from it in the long term so I think in planning in being proactive in seeing what kind of legislation is actually upcoming to be able to work in, in before instead of after I think that's a big change in payroll mm. and And I think also what we found, you're saying that people are alike, actually payroll people all around the world are really alike. You know, they fall into payroll generally, then they stay into payroll, they have the same challenges. And I think when we visited other countries and we talk about challenges, people are still surprised that they're the same challenges that you'd have in Sweden or you'd have in England or you'd have in Asia or India. And I think humanity side we're alike and actually within the industry we're all very much alike I do agree and I think but there's also a change in the kind of individuals coming into payroll industry I've uh, emphasised on that in Sweden we have uh, higher vocational schools where actually people they don't get it they get to payroll in, in the lab they really want to work in the payroll uh, industry so there's more determination in why you're going into the payroll industry mm-hmm. than before so I think that makes a change as well because then you make a choice instead of being giving something and when I um, people are so surprised as well so uh, we had um, National Payroll Week in the UK and they were talking about how can we get more people into the payroll industry and I was like well in Sweden they do this <laughs> and and I think countries should have a look at the way that Sweden um, run their payroll industry that they actually have colleges um, and people choose at all different ages to actually go to college to learn about payroll and I don't think there's any other country that actually does that has that way of introducing payroll within the industry and I, I was actually at a talk yesterday and, and one of the key concerns was the actual recruiting people and finding people within the industry and finding people that want to go into payroll and you know we're talking about making payroll sexy which we laugh about a lot <laughs> how do we make payroll sexy but it's actually getting people interested and I think Sweden um, does such a good job of that and the more more I spend time in Sweden um, I think somehow how do we pick up that how do we pick up that method or the the way that you do things and then try and introduce it into into other countries 
I think work together. That's the way to do it. I mean, you benefit from taking experiences from others. And you see, you can also make, uh, you can also get good input from looking at other industries. How are they working? If you have resemblance in administration, for example, if you look to IT, what they do, how is the, uh, how is development going when it comes to uh, technical issues? Uh, how do you, you mean, there are resemblance with that within other uh, industries as well. And if you, if you learn from them, you can actually benefit into to the payroll systems as well to see how are you putting your requirements how are you doing that way and I think also what Graham was into what what making people aware of that your pay slip is actually very important for you to see even though what you why you work and what you work for and it's uh, really you have to rely on the person actually doing your payroll as well and I think that's really getting the awareness uh, of the human of the every people in that way to get them to 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 be more interested in what they have as a result from their work i mean they put a lot of effort into what they're doing every day and they need to know that the agreement we have between the employer and the employee actually is fulfilled and that should be something you have a mutual interest in now you know that if something goes wrong in the payslip you're very aware and you, you call your payroll center and say well hello, hello so everything's wrong you don't tell them when it's right i mean that's something you're yeah. Just take for granted, but uh, just knowing that you have a lot of faults as well. I mean, if you look at the payroll industry not being taking uh, taking um, seriously, I'd say because it's not been as it's not an occupation in that way as you say if you're uh, an accountant for example you know that you have your your education and you're taking you have a kind of more of a respect for that kind of occupation and I think we need to take that respect to the payroll industry in working together taking pride in what we're doing because we have a really really important role in all organizations even though we do it uh, in the quiet we also are the ones that uh, will uh, make employer branding a good thing for the organizations to see that you what you do and all the effort you put into it that actually will be a result of it and it's it really interesting you talked about some new people coming into the industry and bringing a strategic perspective and, and Mel mm-hmm. you've said before that people fall into to payroll and it's interesting I think why people stay in payroll and and I think there is a real thrill in doing a job well every month and people being able to face that challenge of payday and and you know whether that falls bi-weekly or or, or monthly um so i i meet a lot of, of payroll professionals who uh, i view as complexity junkies mm. um not not a term they would perhaps recognize and I, I talk to a lot of my own people inside adp and they thrive on the challenge of delivering pay at Mm. you know when it needs to be there and, and people talk about you know the only thing that matters is 100% accuracy right on time uh, right place and you know one of our one of our partners in the global payroll uh, business was talking to me about even through the Arab Spring people were getting paid even though there were tanks on the lawn in front of the offices where the paperwork had to be filed and so the industry is full of these inspiring stories um, but it's a very humble industry so people don't shout those stories from the rooftops and say it's remarkable you got paid during the Arab Spring or you yeah. got paid during a a, a typhoon or any other natural disaster Um, and yet interestingly as you look across um, the the business and and you see businesses now trying to make better use of data and and, and better engage their employees there is a a need and an opportunity for the, the payroll 
professional to be able to say, well, we can help with that. We're, we're, we have the best data inside the organization. We have the best touch point with the, the employee. Um, and so maybe some of that newer blood that, that, that are coming in, in 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 Sweden and coming through a formal structured training program and thinking about it strategically, maybe that's part of the key to breaking away from where you can never be more than 100% right. Yeah. Pay has the potential to be so much more than that. And, but it, and also having the, the um, meaning you have to have the um, data and everything, you have to have it in order to be able to do it. And then you have to have understanding from the rest of the organization that will be there will be an impact if you won't be able to file your timesheets some time that will be an impact in how you're getting paid and get the understanding of it if you don't put money into developing software you will probably have a lot of awkward solutions that will make it easier to be some faults coming out i mean that's that's also a thing to be able to to not only appreciate the payroll industry but also be able to put money into it as a as an organization as a company to realize that this is really really important for to keep your i mean I, i don't know what it's like in the rest of the world in that way you talk about competence and lack of competence and that you need to be able to employ more people there's a there's a general lack of competence in several industries and how can you actually get them to get to your company by being a good company and how can you show that you're a good company you can do it every month by your payslip to be able to respect that the effort you put in as an employee will actually pay you off in the right way and to have uh, accurate uh, payslips pay in that way I think that's I think, really I think important. it's changing as well so I think over the last five years I've seen more people looking at um, you know spending money with payroll now so before it would be you know try and get the cheapest that they can get and actually they're thinking okay that's not necessarily the best option because they're getting fines they're not getting the service that they require they're getting so much more pressure um, and I think actually going above you know the sort of sea level are actually seeing the um, the bad side of actually not spending enough money on getting the right software or other right providers so I think that's definitely changing especially over the last couple of years of we've actually run a survey and um, you know why do you have your your provider and cost was actually way down there where I think maybe five six years ago it would have been actually because of the cost and that's a big change you talk about the the differences in the industry within the last 10 years and I think that's also a change that you uh, actually see uh, people putting in more effort into and in Sweden for example we have we now do to have monthly reporting to the tax agency and uh, the, the companies need to have their routines policies in place to be able to run payroll in a proper way because you have to when it comes to payroll you have to get down to software you have to have you have to uh, have the programming correct you have to have ones and zeros because that's programming you can't have within or maybe so i think that's also a big thing in that so i think we need to talk about you zenny do you agree graham i do <laughs> so tell us tell us a bit about yourself so at the moment what do you think your your biggest challenge is within your current current role uh, I think it is to um, to be able to to keep on the work I'm doing actually uh, to be able to get the energy to do it again to do it even more I used to say that we, when we founded a small organization 10 years ago I got a golden egg you know this is you can do an, an egg you can do a lot of things with an egg you can either you can crash it or you can actually do lots of 
nice dishes of it, if you say that, if you put it that way. You can also get it to be a hen, and then you can reproduct. So it's, I think that's the way of doing it, to be able to carry on that work in, in enhancing the industry in that way. Uh, I get a lot of support from the industry, but we have a lot of... Um, obstacles to get through but um, we're getting there we're getting the we're getting closer to the governments we're getting closer to the i don't know if that you know that in sweden it's rather we don't we're not the biggest population but we have around 670 collective agreements and that's a lot of legislation without being you know a lot, a lot of agreements you have to take care of so i think it is to keep encouraging and keeping up the work i'd say so with regards to your work, what what do you say would this be your biggest achievement, or have you got other achievements that you're you're proud of? This where I'm at this or, moment or in yeah. your in your career altogether. Uh, I'd say this is some you do this together, so you couldn't say I've done it on my own. Uh, I have the, I've had the opportunity to be able to do it. Mm. I have the opportunity to have people backing me up to do it. So I'd say that's you, you, you can't go anywhere on your own in that way. But you have to have a, a strong will. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be rather determined to do it, and you have to see uh, possibilities uh, in ways. And is there anything else that you've done that you're proud of? So in previous careers, well. I've, um, <laughs> um, I've always put a lot of um, uh, proud in my work so I think wherever I'm standing at that moment I'm proud of what I'm doing uh, I can look back and see that I've done lots of things so you're, you're getting yourself to um, whenever you challenge yourself I think you should be proud so whenever you do a thing you haven't done before for example the first time I talk to an audience when you talk to an audience of 500 people I mean that's a rather big thing to do the first time you walk into the tax agency and they say hello you're here again I mean all those small things makes the big difference so I think it's hard to say that you can put out something extra that's you make it's, it makes um you have the whole uh you have to see the whole of it to see what you're proud of your achievement so i have to you have to be proud where you are at the moment i think i love that notion of of building on small things and and, and small steps so and and you've been a long time in the the payroll industry perhaps if we just wind the clock back a little and how did you get started what was your first job in payroll well, actually, uh, I was at I was at the university and I got an offer. I, I said, "Well, I, I thought IT was really exciting." That was in the late nineties, so you know that was the before the big boom of the <laughs> millennium and everything. Uh, so I, I got into. I thought it was interesting with the IT, and then I got uh, uh, I got into a small, or uh, rather big company. I know. I think you know what it is. It's uh, called Sema Group at this time, Schlumberger, which is a rather big oil company. Um, through fusions in, in different ways, I stayed with that company for a long time, uh, and then I got a, I got an option because uh, I was there. I had a I was taking care of the training, and uh, just for a, a short term. Uh, and they they well they thought I had something. So so my my boss said, "Do you want to stay in this company?" Uh, yes, I'd see. I'll see what kind of position I can put up for you in that way. So he gave me two offers: either you're going you get into HR, or you can actually get into the payroll. And in the payroll, you'll be able to develop uh, software. So I started out there, and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. And that was in the time when, when uh, development went very fast when it came to uh, technique. In that way, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you say that in, in English, but the programming was DOS, which was you know before Windows. Oh, so yeah, does, yeah. yeah. So the first thing I, I did, that was actually a achievement, was when we uh, we got from the DOS system to Windows, and trying to 
to educate um, women in that was born in the in the thirties to be able to work with the mouse instead of the enter, you know, on the computer. Um, that was that was a challenge. And and you say training women was that because the department was historically uh, now that was the customers they were i mean whenever you go if you have one out of ten is a man then you think that's that's rather common but it, it, that's also a bit to change um in manager sectors <laughs> usually but i think that's uh, that's why there are lots of women that's where you refer to them as women as well and so when you were in it and you had that conversation when we're talking about women in payroll that manager who gave you the choice between HR or payroll was that a male manager or a female male manager and did he we talk we have a something in ADP called the International Women's Network which is around thinking about how you build career pathways and mentorship and, and programs so how did that how did you arrive at a place where he was invested in you to say I can give you two choices and, and to champion for you was he a mentor was that a conversation you and he had been building over a period of time what advice would you offer to to people starting out in their career about how to get to that kind of point where someone says hey i believe in you here's two pathways i can sponsor you in those directions well i just had three months so oh, wow so that was in three months and he saw something and he was a rather young manager uh, I, I, used, I still say that he was the he was the best manager I've ever had mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably because he was he trusted in me and he, he saw something because I, what I did was that I saw what if I get into this where I am at this moment what can I achieve to make things even better where are the possibilities where are the things that can actually enhance the feeling of what I'm doing today because uh, I, I always see I seek how to make things better not even not just for the course of changing but you can always see that there are, are do you have areas where you can make it better for even if it's uh, a financial um, reason or is it because people need to me- feel more comfort and that's I think that's a, a mindset uh, but I also have had a lot of good managers on the way with belief I, I've been through leadership programs uh, I've been put on uh, several leadership programs so oh, and I also the- I have to say just by getting back to that uh, all my managers have been male except one mm-hmm. Uh, or two, maybe two, two managers has been, have they have been mailed. So I think that's, uh, it's, it's nothing to do with that. That's, that would have been nice to say, well, I have so much female managers around me getting me up in these positions, but I have to thank my male colleagues for that, actually. Well, I, I, I think a lot of times it's about what the individual is, is doing in the role. I mean, most leaders are looking for people who want to grow, want to change the organization. So uh, I'd probably thank yourself more than thank your manager. Just thank the manager for recognizing the, uh, the opportunity. So you, you move into, into payroll and you're training people and developing on systems, I think, from what you'd, what you'd said. And then how did you progress? Because that was in one company. And what, 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 then was your choice about actually moving company or or progressing in the role? Did you have to leave that company to progress your career or did you progress inside that one organization? No, I, I left for another organization. Um, so that was because I think I need more challenges. I've been doing it for a while. And it's also combined with that you have during these years, you have 
children and you know in at certain times in life it's easier to move to move on to different uh, workplaces so i got to another big and then i got to a really big company and uh, where uh, they were struggling a bit with the payroll section and uh, i had trust in doing uh, rather difficult things and I was a really that was really something I had to struggle with because there was a lot, a lot of absence because of uh, different reasons but once again the uh, CEO that company actually he encouraged me in payroll so he was actually the one who gave me the space to be able to work in this small organization that was that was formed uh, do, to be able to do that during working hours with just because the uh, this company wanted to market payroll a bit, I think that's that keeps you trust. And if you if you feel trusted, then you also want to be able to show results. So you get a really good employer employee if you put trust in them. So I think that's. Um, and so that company where you were working with the CEO on on payroll was that just in Sweden or was that global that was Swedish as uh, well Swedish payroll yeah. so then the industry association that you started to form was built around Swedish payroll and, and the challenges of, of, of Swedish payroll and how, how did you then progress to looking internationally Mel's talked about how Sweden is leading the pack almost mm. in terms of developing next generation talent in the industry so at what point did you go from being focused on the Swedish payroll challenge to where Sweden sits as part of a broader global payroll challenge or opportunity? I think I have to thank Mel for that. Yeah, because yeah, uh, <laughs> I got to know her through LinkedIn. I think yeah. we're talking about networking. I think we've known each other for like seven years or something yeah, like that. And she, she, that was also a very, um, very nice to meet somebody that has their same uh, thinking of payroll, the same, you know, sometimes you just connect because you have the same vision and in seeing resemblances rather than, than that you're not alike in that way and talking and, and realizing and then getting in contact with the Netherlands and we also have this association that we work that I'm working with now we have uh, association we work with closely in Norway and Finland as well but uh Wherever we go, I think that Melanie and you can also uh, say that it's the same. You have to struggle a bit to get the the um, focus on payroll sometimes. So I think we have a, a mutual interest in just uh, seeing the like. What, what's what's the um, what do we have that resembles within the global? And I think back to what you said about the process. I think that. Um, in payroll, we're very also again we we look very much where we are at the moment, instead of broaden our vision, in seeing that we can actually. I mean, some of the times we've been talking about when the GDPR came around, for example, you can see we struggle with the same issues, and you can see then that Sweden are in advance in some time, in some ways, but we also can learn from other countries, and and in a vision you could say that if we could help each other with those kind of issues, we don't have to put focus in doing as we say you invent the the. Um, the wheel all the time yeah. in that way instead of doing that I think and, and for that you have to to broaden the vision and see that you're on a global even though I mean with full respect for the differences in different countries I mean it's not like I'm well there no, shouldn't be an issue of course it's a big issue to do to run payroll in, in different countries and it's not what I mean but yeah, yeah exactly and, and uh, you do it in different ways and I do. I mean, we, we ADP provides payroll solutions across 140 countries, and I have the the great 
pleasure and privilege of working with our partner network and they come together each each year and we um, we spend three four days talking through the developments around global payroll um, and and it is fascinating to see the similarities between GDPR and Europe and the privacy regulation that's in process in California between Parliament out of source the tax withholding in France and various regulatory initiatives in in Italy that are similar in some respects to eSocial in Brazil so and, and you talked about building uh, career, I think if we can, as a global industry, if we can build an understanding based on, okay, we had that experience going through GDPR, we can now apply that to the California privacy regulation and, and just get better and stronger at each time. And also in a proactive way. I mean, uh, uh, coming from the IT sector, I'm really interested in what you can do uh, with financial reporting as uh, standard reporting and how you can you can actually see how you can benefit from what other countries have done. Uh, I know that the, in the UK you report um, every time you yeah. pay. Uh, we have, the, as I said, we just uh, got it in Sweden one and a half years ago, approximately. Um, and um, if you see what the Netherlands has done, that they've come much further than we have and if you can get because if, if you want to make a change in that field you have to see a look at the good examples but you also if you if you look at specialists putting them together to see how can we develop this in an in next to the next level in taking proud in, in payroll is also not being reactive being proactive in that way that you have the competence the knowledge you know what you can do to make the process easier what would happen if you were, weren't uh, uh, obliged to report to every government all the time you can do it in one way I mean that makes a big difference and it's easier than also to if you have a um, if you have a map for the world on a global vision to see easier to see how you do it in different countries as well so I think it's uh, I think we shouldn't only be reactive there's a GDPR coming on because that it's not in our field of of um, of um, um, Responsibility. We can't really make a change there. I mean, that's the EU. But there are fields where we can actually make a difference by doing better requirements, by being better on uh, putting our our knowledge further on in in development. I think that's a good thing. And to see, and it's all about, as you say, proud. You have to be proud of what you're doing because uh, the knowledge that you we take for granted. There are so many fascinating, unbelievably competent people within the payroll field that are not aware of it mm. I mean they know so much and if you think about I don't I, I think governments the level of compliance and the level of um, transparency that they're expecting from industry as a whole is probably only going to increase in, at, at global level over the next five to ten years and so how do you get away from you know, almost, I had, had a lovely piece of jargon the other day in terms of moving away from a black box to a glass box. It's the mm -hmm. first time I'd heard that phrase, yeah. but um, this black box of where well, we keep it in Excel and we run it in a in a system and we do that in thirteen separate countries, versus we have one system where we can see all the processes, we can see and report at the push of a button, and so we have this glass box where all the data is is open and visible. Um, and that obviously improves the dialogue that you can have with government bodies when they're approaching trade bodies and the industry as a whole and saying, okay, we would like to change the way we do, for example, tax withholding or um, payments. So what would be the implications and, and for industry and for the individuals? So it, it is this, this almost hidden role that payroll professionals play in helping shape 
policy and 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 um, government process in a way that it can actually be delivered. Yeah. For example, with the monthly report in Sweden, we worked with the tax agencies before they went to departments with their really proposals. So I mean, you can do it in a different way. And what I think we have to do in the payroll field is that when you see things happening on a, a governmental level or whatever, for example, in the in in the Nordic country, we have something called Nordic Smart Government, where you try to have the SPR uh, reporting of financial information in in a in an easier way to do it and you could say well that will not give an impact on payroll or you could say how can we use this to give uh, an inf- uh, inf- uh, to emphasize on payroll Th- there's two ways of doing it you can all either be reactive waiting for what you're supposed to do or you could be proactive telling them this is what we can actually be uh, giving you in that way so th- there's a way of, of uh, how you want to be um, seen as say and it's not only talking to the government and regulators but also talking to the employees yes so when regulation changes and it's going to change the the pay slip or it's going to change the level how do you communicate that and and i think you know probably our source was a fascinating example in france because it changed materially changed what people were paid at the, at the end of a month and so seeing how payroll managers were able to adjust to that and show people uh, what their payslip would look like um, come January and, and to be able to communicate that um, I, I think is a key part for the, the, the pay professional to be able to advocate for what they do with HR and alongside the finance function to engage with government and compliance but also to be able to go and, and talk to uh, the employees and and the there was a piece of research published recently that something like 30 or 40 percent of the generation entering the workforce today don't understand their payslip. They don't. They don't understand that the government's taking tax out, and there's national insurance or the equivalent yeah. in each market. Um, and and so there's an education gap as well. And some of the some of the most heavily visited pages on the websites that I look after are explanations of, of payslips. Yeah, that, that's a key thing actually. When people are on our training courses, they want to know about the payslips. So that's always a key key section is what does it look like and what does it mean how do we explain well it? we for example made a standard for a space for sweden to make that we actually been uh, trying to you know show and have all the regulations that are put into the payslip so we can explain and we also have we try to do help our consultants so those our members in our or even though without with it, outside of our organization to have we have um a small film that we call uh, Talk Pay Yes So You Understand in that way I don't know if you translate that way where you have uh, we have small videos where you can show for the employee how to look at the payslip for example instead of you if you don't have the, uh, the you're not able to put out how to explain it in, in an easy way you can put it on a film and say this is how you're supposed to look at the payslip and I think you have to if you, you talk about making payroll sexy you really have to show that the payslip is actually interesting yeah. well, maybe not sexy but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean that way because I, I was uh, when I was working in this uh, other organization about 10 years ago I say why don't you have an interactive payslip why can't you have a link where you can where you can see it you need to you need to be where the uh, where the employer is and if you see to it maybe we should have a payslip in snapchat maybe we should have you know in that way you have to be able to see you have to we're going we're, we're 
getting to a world where you want to personalize all your requirements. You want to be, you have omnipresence, you have everything that you're supposed to be fulfilled as a person when you get into a store and you have your personal offers in that way. And maybe we should be a bit more broadened when it comes to this kind of information as well. You have to see that you could put it out in different channels. Mm. And as, I mean, obviously ADP is a technology business, so mm. there's a couple of different ways we look at that. First of all, you have to be able to produce a legally compliant payslip, yeah. which is going to be different in yeah. every country. Yeah. Um, and and you know, the, the varying degrees of complexity for how many pages a, a payslip will be. But then how do you render that in a, a mobile app? To, to actually encourage people to interact with it. How do you uh, present that in a, in a way that is really easy to understand graphically rather than as a, a list of numbers? And you know, when, I, um, when, when I look at the, the pay data on our internal systems, when I get paid, I can look at it on a legally compliant payslip or I can look at it on an interactive graphic which allows me to look at how much I'm paying in tax, how much I'm paying for my pension um, and, and understand the variables and then compare month on month and over the period. So I think the technology companies are moving in a way where that interactivity is there. Um, and then the great challenge and opportunity is how do you make that so simple and so easy that it's it works across all the different countries and yeah. it's not dependent on the, the, the language or the legal complexity that it is a, a graphic visual representation. But if you would have some kind of, I mean, for, for Sweden, example, we don't have a legislation when it comes to payslips. You don't have, actually, the only thing you have to show is the uh, deducted taxes. So, I mean, it's not that. But what, what we've done is actually we put up, up a, we have a, a a suggestion on what you should have shown on a payslip. But I think also that you have you have to see that the information on a payslip is sometimes overwhelming. You, some people just want to see what the net pay is, actually. And I think it's, a, it's an interesting way of putting it when you talked about when you talk about some uh, software suppliers saying, well, maybe next next time you'll ask Siri, you know, the, the, yeah. yeah, how many how many days can I get off this summer, for example. So I mean, I think there's a, the, the technique is actually coming to make it easier in that way and, and trying to think out of the box. Is that I think that's the way of doing it. And sometimes when you talk about challenges, sometimes you want to get back to that, that development part of developing software because you think, well, this could make it easier. This app should, you should have this app because that makes it easier. You could have that and to be able to, and I mean, then somebody has to keep it compliant somebody has to govern it so I mean it's it's not an easy way to do it but I think you have to have a, a vision of where you could get to in that way and I think some what I've found um, is that some countries are further forward with their technology than other countries so for example you can be shown something and you know think wow it's amazing we can do this and somebody's like we've been doing that for 15 years mm. <laughs> so, yeah you know. but, was, but getting the knowledge around I mean those people that's not been doing it for 15 years but once another country has I mean if they had known that the solution was there somewhere else yeah. if you if you also again if you broaden your vision and see what on a global level is happening in different countries you can actually take uh, the knowledge it was interesting to me that you were you reached out to Mel first on LinkedIn. I hadn't I hadn't known that. So you met digitally first yes. as, as individuals. Yeah. And how long did it then take from meeting digitally to meeting in real life? 
I can remember almost. So I think, well, I can remember actually. I can remember it really well. Oh. So we we had um, we met on LinkedIn and then we set up a Skype meeting yeah. and Skype didn't work. So I could see you and you couldn't hear. We had technical issues. <laughs> so tech, digitally it works yeah. better on, on LinkedIn. And then I think it was about a year, a year and a half, yeah. two years maybe, then yeah. we met face to face. So that's actually a really core skill. It's something I'm very bad at, connecting digitally and, and building using LinkedIn and building those relationships. So thinking about the listeners to the podcast, and, and what advice would you offer for, for how to extend your network inside the industry and how to learn from, from people like Mel inside the industry and make that introduction? Uh, for the first, if, you, if you're not on LinkedIn, get on that. <laughs> I think that that's the, um, you think it's only for professionals that want to have a new job. That's not it. Because there's so much knowledge. If you get into the right groups, if you get connected with the right persons. And also, what I do is that since I'm, I'm very much of, uh, looking into what's happening that's been you know when you build requirements you need to know what's going on in, in different ways so I'm um, really uh, very much into googling I'd say in that way because uh, as soon as there's a, it's a report or something or if I if I google a word and I see there's a, something up there's a report from ADP for example I'm quickly there to be able to download it and then you see who's in that one what have they learned and then you get the knowledge about how it's been working uh, in that from that report and then you see you, you, you build your, your knowledge in that way and then you have then you might have interesting comments to somebody that's actually been on the report and then if you can ask questions if you're interested in show interest in what people done they usually get interested in you I mean that's it's a mutual interest you have to find that and I think that you shouldn't be afraid of, of putting out who you are in that way in, in um in, in your knowledge and if, if you have questions I mean it's a fantastic tool to be able to ask a question in LinkedIn to say what do you think about this and those people that are eager and keen on knowing uh, getting knowledge I'd say they'll actually answer so I think it, 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 in this world when you're getting global you get the organization you get everything that's making us a smaller world in, in, in a way makes it easier and it's easier to connect um, it used to be that you had to rely on postal many, many if you get new legislation you had to wait for an envelope where you got the regulations in, in, in details and now you can actually get in and see it in advance almost so I mean there's a lot of things going on on the net actually do you think that's helped you with your career progression just wanting the need for knowledge all the time do yes you think, yeah I think that's but that's me as a person so I, uh, I think I'm, I'm known for being a bit of a geek in things <laughs> It being, I mean, curiosity is just such a powerful part of career progress. Is just thinking about what's next, um, and I think that's one of the challenges for the industry because there is so much focus, as you were saying, on on payday, getting to payday, and that repeatable process. Mm-hmm. And it can only ever be a hundred percent right. How do you go beyond that? And it's great that you know, as as through your career, you've been curious and exploring and. and reaching out and connecting with, with people in the industry to, to help you understand better. And I think you also have to think that some uh, things has their own time. There's a timing as well. I usually say that I put a seed somewhere. You don't know when it flourish. I mean, if you put a seed, sometimes it takes a half, a, one and a half years and then somebody gets back to you. 
because then they're in the, then the timing is right for that person or for that part that type of government i mean um you asked me about something i'm being proud of i mean this week we just had a meeting with the software suppliers in sweden covering 95% of the pay slips in sweden uh we had the, our number 40 in meetings and during these meetings we've been working with tax agencies we've been working with other governmental working with, ba- with finance banking uh, all that and see where can we make an impact in, in that way so I think uh, you have to also have a bit of um, of uh, patience you can't get a result at the day after be patient and be interested in other people I mean if, if somebody is doing something that means something for that person and if you take interest in that you probably learn something and you also enhance that person mm. so maybe a question for you, you both because you know this industry much better and you, you, you're involved in it you have 40 people in a room talking you talk right across the industry where do you see where is the industry not being curious enough where are the blind spots for the global payroll uh, industry or the things that you see that you wish the the industry would recognize and act on i think for me personally i think the, uh, the isolation maybe of individual departments companies um so one thing i find super well just so refreshing dealing with zenny and i don't know if it's a cultural thing is that they're really open so i'll spend two three days with Zenny. Zenny's must really tired by the end of it because she has to speak English for the whole time um but we share a lot of um information with each other there's no there's no worry about sharing information and it's like how can we improve what we're doing and what can I learn from Zenny and the Swedish Payroll Association and and then hopefully Zenny may feel that what, what could she learn from the GPA and I think one of the things that the blind spot is there's not enough of that it's very much insular and um, I don't know if that would ever happen where we can all get into a room and go okay how do we how do we promote the industry as a whole uh, rather than one company having this idea and not sharing it so I think that's actually a bit of a blind spot um, and I think I feel that more so working with Zenny and even speak listening to her today just thinking you know that's that's what we should all be like I think that you got a point there. I think that um, you need to have, you have to build a climate where you feel trust. I mean, that's what you need to do. And I, what I feel, uh, what, what I worry about is that in Sweden, for example, we've seen an increase in interest in payroll industry for the last 10 years. Not only through how the occupation actually has changed, being more consultative, being more proactive, lots of new blood coming in, if you say so. But also, you shouldn't really um, forget those people working in the industry that's been very much in that from the beginning. So it's very much on, it, it's just not the ones coming into the industry. There are also those that get together, they've been maybe their own island in a company, having these thoughts, nobody to share them with because nobody's believing in, in payroll. Mm-hmm. Getting together with other people in the same position makes that flourish in that way um, so I think that's but what I what I my fear in this is that if you get into it only to benefit for your own to get the money out of it because that was happening then if we increase the knowledge of payroll if we if we also somehow enhance the status if you say so there's also those coming into the industry for just the payslip not 
doing the payslip. Uh, that's one thing, but that happens in all corporations. So you may have to just deal with that. But also on a company level, that you see that uh, we benefit from we benefit from sharing, and that's why I think that's this this small organization that we have with software suppliers in Sweden. Twenty of them there are. Um, we have uh, climate in those meetings that we say that this is where we're supposed to be meeting to see what we can do with obstacles rather than to be competitive. So if you look that aside and see how can we compete with other things, I mean, you want to compete with the best software, not with the being no things about your competitor or having to struggle with legislation that everybody has to struggle with. So, I mean, I think that's it's very much about attitude. And I, th- I hope that we can... Together, if you have a lot of embass- uh, embass- if you have a lot of people working with that um, attitude, I think we'll all benefit from it. Mm. So, perhaps one one question I'd like to ask mm. you is: is you know, payroll? Uh, sorry, the HR function as we call it now. It started as personnel, and then it became HR, and now some people it's a people function, and you know, the software's moved on to being human capital management in in some markets, not globally, yeah. um, in terms of that. So, how does how does the payroll community keep up with that and understand how to partner with HR or indeed how to lead HR? Because payroll often has the better data mm. about what's going on inside the organization. So do you, do you have a view on, on that opportunity? Yes, I think that we had, that's what actually one of the challenges uh, to get uh, the HR and the payroll departments to work together. Because... Uh, I have to agree. I have to admit, then, then my degree in, at university is in HR. So, <laughs> um, so coming from that point, I, I know how little payroll we were actually educated. I mean, payroll was nothing when you went you when you went through university. If you had HR, I mean, you didn't do anything. Um, so, I think there's a there's also um, a knowledge lack within these fields. So, if you say you have to speak the same. Language. I think that's where you get back to how do we get to understand each other. I think that's one of the challenges. And that's the challenge within HR, within finance, within IT. But also to see the experiences that you've done in the HR to get them to see what can they benefit from from working within uh, or with payroll instead of, you know, as two departments. That's a big issue in Sweden, actually, that you're divided. And usually you have payroll reporting to either HR or finance and that's that's also one of the biggest issues where are they supposed to report and I think well maybe they should be on their own because that's it is an issue everywhere every every country I've gone to it's been an issue and I I feel quite passionate about it and I've had I've had a few conversations uh, actually over the summer about whether or not payroll should sit under payroll um, sorry HR or finance and I think why why don't we start trying to get payroll to stand on its own you know, why can't it stand on its own? And then people said, no, it's got to either report to finance or HR. But, okay, can't it stand on its own but have a partnership? You know, shouldn't it be seen as more of a partnership? Um, and then maybe that's where the frustrations with payroll and HR will will stop, maybe, if you're seen more as, a, you know, not the underdog, but actually as partners of payroll, finance and HR. But I also think that you should do a crossover. I mean, if you have an issue, there's a legislation going on, and will be actually given an, an impact on both finance, HR, and payroll. Put on a team that has uh, that has that's um, uh, representing all these kind of departments, so you work together. Because once you get to know one, 
then it's easier to talk about other things as well. I think we need to get these boundaries uh, away. I think that's and that I think that team model is really interesting because when you look at how organisations are thinking about transforming their operations, a lot of large corporations now have a transformation office, and the transformation office. The, the global payroll team understands global payroll, but doesn't necessarily see the role in the organizational transformation. And the transformation office is is working with high-level consultants and, and, and taking a very high-level view of the corporate and, and doesn't necessarily see all the data that sits in, in pay. So someone has to cross that gap. Either the payroll leader has to go to the transformation office and say, hey, we can help, mm. or the transformation office needs to go to the payroll function and say, hey, we think there's something here. What we quite often see happening is people go through an HR transformation and they go through an HR technology change and then they realize there's a gap. And, and then it's that moment where they say, well, where, where is this really important data that we need to underpin the whole process? And they go, oh, it's over in the payroll team who are busy working on being right 100% of the time and, yeah. and not necessarily part of the transformation. But for you as an individual, I mean, you, I hadn't realized it was a degree in HR, then going into IT and then into pay. So there's a, maybe it's an English American phrase, but the triple threat, you know, it's the full set. So as someone who has that skill set, how, what advice would you offer your, your, maybe your younger self in terms of how to, um, position and communicate with other people in the, the, the business? So not just, promoting global payroll but actually being the person who's having those conversations it it sounds like you've had a lot of them in your career but maybe advice to perhaps your younger self or to someone who's just starting out now in this industry what how can they follow in your footsteps it's a hard question the thing is i've never had and i also i always had a vision but it's not like i've been planning my career that's not that's not the way it is. It's just that I go by my heart. That's a big thing to, for me. If I think something's important that will give a good impact for a lot of people, I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, so I think that's a, a what, what I would say is that I would probably say that you should be um, you should be proud of yourself from the beginning. You should be able to see that even though you're a young person, you can come in with different knowledge that the person that are older that's been in the industry for a while doesn't have so the 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 um the benefits of being young take advantage of them but not being a person i wasn't like that i think i was a when i was younger but i think you know all the things i mean that's that's the thing you can do when you're younger you think well i know i got all the the answers uh, i don't think i was really like that but i think that's a good thing to do to be humble to others i think if you're humble you get somewhere in that way but also to maybe be able to look back and see take proud in what you've done yourself because when melanie asks me what have you been your biggest achievements and i say well this is a blank for me (laughs) the last work-related question is really where do you see the industry going in the next five years i think we have a lot of more of a standard business reporting i think we'll have a more efficient payroll um, process. I think we'll have um, people working in this in the industry will actually be uh, more highly skilled. We'll have to be high, more highly skilled. So you have you have to just an advice is to see that you keep yourself educated. See that you're actually enhancing and see what's on what's going on instead of being just sitting in your in your beside your computer so i think that's something you need to know you have to be as we say um i think we say it in sweet if you translate it into swedish from swedish to say you have to be employable 
I don't know if you have yeah. that in English. That you have to keep yourself employable, and that's for your own sake. It's not just for the organization you work with, because uh, there will be in all. I think all occupations. If you see studies and you see what they come up to from different institutes, that there will be a change in occupations. We go from from uh, being skilled to be highly skilled, and that will also be relating to the payroll industry. Excellent. So. Um We've talked a lot about your experience of coming through global payroll and the curiosity and the, the bridge building, and it's been it's been fascinating to, to listen to and understand. What's next for you in the next few years? What are you focused on um, and excited about in, in the world of, of global payroll? I think it will be interesting to see the uh, how the standard business reporting will come on, uh, how we can actually use the data we're transforming uh, and um, um, preparing and everything we do with the data to see the advantages of using it and to see how we can get the regulations to to um, to, do, to go with it because I think we have a lot of regulations issues before we come to that point that we can actually see the total benefit of using data. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Zenny, for joining Graham and myself. It's been really interesting and really informative. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.